0: Welcome back to the Tragically Beautiful podcast. Many years ago, I used to help run a youth group through my church. My partner and I ran the junior high and another couple ran the senior high. One thing that we were always very intent on doing with the kids was helping those in need, whether they be next door, around the corner, on the other side of the country, or the other side of the world. We found that collectively, the people our hearts broke the most for were those who had suffered some sort of disaster. For example, we took the kids to New York City the summer after 9-11, and we took the opportunity to meet with and talk with eyewitnesses who experienced that tragic day firsthand. Even 10 months after it had happened, the people we met were still stunned and found it very difficult to speak about. We also visited firehouses across the city and brought the firefighters baskets of fruit to just say a very deep and heartfelt thank you for the courageous and selfless work that they did that day and in the many days, weeks, and months that followed. It was an experience that I will truly never forget. Another trip we took was down to Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, not long after they were ravaged by Category 5 Hurricane Katrina. During that trip, we stayed in Quonset huts for 10 days that were pretty much infested with red fire ants, and we worked every day to help the community rebuild their church and talk to people to give them the space to unload their disaster stories and feel like they were being heard. We would hold their hands, hug them, and offer them as much hope and encouragement as we could coming from a group of teenagers and young leaders who had never experienced anything like these poor souls had. We went out into the community and saw the countless destroyed homes with the urban search and rescue or USAR markings spray painted on the outside. Do you know what I'm talking about? The slash mark or X marks with information in each quadrant or an X with a box around it? Do you know what that information means? I do. I will never forget it. A slash mark indicates that FEMA is in the process of searching the home, which helps eliminate duplication of efforts with all of the different agencies that were out performing search and rescue missions. After a disaster such as Katrina, there's zero time to waste, so being able to communicate to another team quickly and easily at a simple glance that this location is already being searched is critical and could literally mean the difference between life and death for some. Now, the presence of the X itself indicated that the search had been completed. If the X had a box around it, that indicates that the building is not safe to enter. However, if it doesn't have a box around it, there's likely information in all four quadrants. In the left quadrant is the acronym that identifies the specific team that performed the search and rescue operation in that structure, whether that be FEMA, a National Guard unit, a police department, or even Airborne and Infantry Divisions of the Army. In the upper quadrant, you'll find the time and date that the team completed their search and left the building. In the right quadrant are the identifiers of specific hazards found in the structure, be that rats, snakes, or even extreme structural damage making entry unsafe. But that last quadrant, that bottom one, this could be the most sinister quadrant of all. This one was typically two numbers separated by a slash mark, and this indicated how many survivors and how many corpses were found in the structure. We always hoped that we would see zero slash zero, which meant that there were no survivors and no bodies in the home. This combination always gave us the most hope. Hope that those who lived there heeded the warning and got out in time. Hope that they were somewhere safe and that even though they'd lost their home, they still had their lives hope that their eyes hadn't actually witnessed anything too traumatic on that fateful day because they were long gone before the storm made landfall. Of course, the next best combination is any number slash zero, because this meant that survivors were found, alive, and they were rescued. But seeing any number in front of that slash made me wonder for days what those hours were like for them as they were hunkered down, listening to the pounding rain and the harsh, whipping winds that reached up to 132 miles per hour in Mississippi. Fighting off animals, rodents, or reptiles who were also trying to save their lives by making their way into any structure, to any dry ground, that could possibly keep them safe. We actually heard the story of one man who clung to a telephone pole for three straight days, fighting off water moccasins and other animals until he could be rescued. But then, if there was a number on the right side of that slash... Our hearts broke because that meant they found lifeless bodies within who, unfortunately, met their tragic end at the hands of Mother Nature's great force. Disaster relief efforts are not for everyone. They're definitely not for the faint of heart. Even though if you are engaging in disaster relief efforts, you are, by definition, arriving after the disaster has passed, you still see the devastation in the homes, the communities, the faces, and the lives of those who were affected. Disaster relief is something that will change you forever in both good and not so good ways. I have a question for you. How many times have you thought that your circumstance, relationship, or even your entire life had become a complete disaster? How many times have you longed for any measure of relief from every minute, abusive detail of your life in that moment? Today I want to have an honest and an important conversation When it comes to abusive relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is, no matter what kind of abuse it is, we often find ourselves treating them like disaster relief situations. Because of the pain that we're feeling and the need for the pain to stop, we try to fix what's broken in the relationship or mend what's shattered and heal what's wounded. We'll often even do things that we might not otherwise do, all in the name of fighting for the other person. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Every situation is different and it's not my place to say. But let me share a different perspective with you. Have you ever considered that at times it may feel like we're trying to stop a hurricane with our bare hands? Sometimes the magnitude of the challenge is just too immense and goes beyond what is in our power to control. There are moments when we have to recognize that certain relationships may be beyond repair, that no matter how much effort we put in, the situation may not get better. I've experienced a couple of those relationships in my life. It felt like I was constantly draining my mental and emotional energy trying to empty a boat with a tiny bucket while the storm kept pouring in massive amounts of water. But it's okay to be done. It's okay to have had enough. It's okay to walk away. Again, I'm speaking in generalities because, as I said, every situation is different, and it's not for me to say what someone should or should not do in any given circumstance. But if and when you do decide that it's time to walk away, that's when you reach a pivotal crossroads in your life. That's when it becomes crucial to shift your focus from external disaster relief efforts to internal disaster relief efforts. It's vital to acknowledge the impact that the past has had on your life and your well-being. Redirecting your attention inward allows you to begin the necessary process of healing and rebuilding. You have to prioritize your own self-care and recognize that you hold the power to overcome the challenges you face. And not only that, but you must also choose to control the controllables and harness your mental and emotional energy to direct it towards the internal disaster relief efforts that must begin. So what are those internal disaster relief efforts that I'm talking about? Well, being in an abusive relationship can leave us feeling lost and shattered and questioning our own self worth. It can feel like a hurricane of massive destruction has ripped through our lives, leaving dirt, rubble, and useless debris in its wake. It's important to remember that the abuser holds complete responsibility for their actions, whether they acknowledge it or not. The abuser is the disaster in this scenario, and we deserve love, respect, and safety. Abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, it leaves deep scars that are not easily erased or fixed or rebuilt. It's time that we acknowledge that these wounds, much like a hurricane-ravaged town, cannot be healed overnight, but they do need to be healed. If you find yourself at this very point in your journey with abuse, I have a few action steps that you can take to clean up the disaster in your life. And the assumption that I've made with these action steps is that you are at the point where you have left the relationship, whatever kind of relationship it was, and you've chosen to start doing the work to reclaim your life and your well-being. So here we go. Number one, make a realistic assessment of the situation and the damage. First and foremost, take a deep breath and then take a step back and look at your situation objectively. This alone can be very empowering. When we consciously remove the emotion from it, as best we can, I know it's hard, it helps us understand the impact that the abuse had on our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. By assessing the situation honestly, we acknowledge the pain and trauma we've experienced. It's an opportunity, too, to recognize our strength and resilience and resolve to set our aim on the beautiful goal of reclaiming our well-being. Remember, healing is a journey that's not a linear process, so be gentle with yourself. If you're currently in this situation, I encourage you to reach out to support system or professional who can guide you through your healing process. Which brings me to point number two. Assemble your team. Think of this as creating your own personal disaster relief crew. During this time, you need to surround yourself with people who will uplift and empower you on your journey towards healing and growth. Assemble a team of friends, family, therapists, or support groups who can provide you a safe space for you to share your experience and emotions as much as you want to, or don't want to. But find professionals who specialize in trauma recovery and can guide you through the healing process. I can't, I can't stress this enough how important this part of this of this journey is. Just like it's impossible for one person to rebuild after disaster, you'll find that trying to face this part of the process alone is futile. Building a strong team will ensure that you have the support and resources needed to rebuild your life, restore health and wellness, and find strength in your journey. Number three, communicate clearly and easily that rescue operations are already underway. A lot of thought, time, and effort will have gone into assembling your disaster relief team. They have to be people that you trust, people who will keep your confidences, and people who will be helpful in the process but there are going to be others who know that something's going on with you and want to just know or to be helpful. Most people have good intentions, but my personal advice in this situation is to devise an elevator speech, so to speak, for anyone who inquires with you who is not on your team. Just like the markings on the destroyed houses and structures, figure out how you want to communicate that their help is appreciated, but not necessary at this point. That can mean just simply telling people who are not on your team that you're fine. It may mean acknowledging with them that, yes, there is something going on, but that you're handling it and that you have a support system helping. And every situation, every person may get a different kind of elevator speech. It's whatever makes you feel most comfortable. And remember, you don't owe them anything. This is about you, not them. But keeping the circle small is important because if you broaden it too much, this can lead to disaster in other ways. Like I said, most people are very well-intentioned, but during this time when your mental and emotional health has been knocked off balance from months or years of abuse, it's best to trust your gut and only share things with the people on your team who you know and trust. Now, one day, just like me, you may be ready to share your story with the world, but until then, remain cautious of who you let into this particular area of your life. You don't want your progress knocked backwards by someone who does not and cannot understand the gravity of your situation. Step four, make a plan. All disaster relief efforts start with a solid plan to get the work done. First and foremost, prioritize your safety above all else. If you're in a position where you feel like you're in danger, seek support from local authorities, local shelters, helplines, or trusted friends and family who are on your team who can assist you during this time. As emotional a time as this may be for you, document any incidents of abuse with texts or pictures, etc., and keep them in a safe place. This may be useful for legal purposes or obtaining a restraining order if necessary. If possible, secure your own bank account, credit cards, and ensure you have access to your personal documents like your ID, your social security card, etc. to establish financial independence. Step 5. Start Reconstruction. Rebuilding your life after an abusive relationship takes an immense amount of courage and resilience no matter what kind of relationship it was. The process may seem overwhelming, but if you've worked through the previous steps, you're already well prepared and ready for this work. Remember, you're never alone on this path because you have your team of supporters assembled and standing beside you, ready to offer support, encouragement, and hope. You've assessed the damage, you've communicated what and where necessary, you've gathered your materials, and you've made your plan. Now it's time to start reconstruction. Like those who suffered devastating losses during Hurricane Katrina and many other natural disasters, at this point you may feel like you've lost it all. But also just like those survivors, if you look around, you're going to realize that the most important things were not actually lost at all. They just require some work, some love, and some attention to build a life far more beautiful than the one you left behind. Yes, this process is going to be long and hard and messy, but just keep taking action. Do something every day to work towards your healing. It might be the smallest little thing in your mind, but every step forward gets you closer to where you want to be. And that brings me to the final step, step 6 reevaluate along the way. Just like with any disaster relief effort, it's important to regularly stop along the way, reassess your recovery journey, and make adjustments as needed. Recognize that healing is not a linear path, but a series of steps and possibly setbacks. This process is all about what works for you, so take a moment to reflect on the progress you've made and identify any areas where you can pivot or seek additional support. Remember, your journey is uniquely yours, and it's okay to pause, to adapt, and redefine your path to empower yourself and find your best route to true and lasting wellness. I realize that the thought of some of these things may seem intimidating or scary, like documenting things, getting your own bank account, etc. But depending on your situation, they may be necessary steps in finding your freedom so you don't find yourself in a place in the future where additional different kinds of disaster relief arise. You need to protect yourself as much as possible. Just like workers arriving at a disaster site take all necessary precautions to protect themselves before they walk into vulnerable and volatile structures. It's hard, trust me, I know. But try to take the emotion out of it and do what you need to do, one step at a time. According to the U.S. Department of the Interior, the last step in natural disaster response and recovery is transition and return to steady state operations. That's our goal after abuse. This is what we're going for. You may not know exactly what steady state operations looks like for you, especially if you've been in this abusive relationship for a long time. But I promise you it's not being talked down to, gaslighted, cheated on, hit, lied to, etc., etc., etc. Every single one of us as human beings is entitled to a life of happiness and safety. The disaster relief process isn't fun. I'm going to let you know that up front. It's messy. But you cannot quit. You cannot give up. You must take that next step and never consider quitting as an option. What would happen if disaster relief workers quit in the middle of their efforts to restore cities and towns ravaged by forceful hurricanes? Those cities and towns wouldn't be able to carry on. They may not have the resources on their own to continue those relief and recovery efforts. Everyone would be affected. So I say to you today, quitting is not an option. And I hope that being here, listening to this podcast gives you even a tiny glimmer of hope that you can and must go on because the goal is to have a zero slash zero or a one slash zero on your life because you, my friend, are a survivor. Back to that Mississippi trip. We arrived long after the disaster took place and we left long before recovery efforts were complete. We were just a small part of the recovery efforts. But one thing that we noticed about those kids that we brought with us, they never quit. They did the work without complaining, as hard and hot and messy and exhausting as it was, and at over 100 degrees every day, that was not easy to do. Before we left, we had t-shirts made for all of us, and the message that was on it applies so perfectly to this message I have for you today. The t-shirt read, this is all crazy, but that never stopped us before. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tragically Beautiful Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really want to be able to share my own experiences with you so that hopefully I can inspire others to keep going. Just keep waking up every morning, putting your feet on the floor, taking a deep breath, and tackling one more day. Just take that next right step. I promise that eventually it won't feel so hard. Eventually, it'll just feel like a bad movie that you watched. You'll remember it, but you won't feel it any longer. That's when you know that true healing has taken place. I've got a lot of great things coming up soon, amazing interviews with abuse survivors, and maybe even a professional or two to talk with us about the healing process from a professional standpoint. My final encouragement for you today is to be kind to people. Our world right now is grotesquely lacking kindness. But you truly never know what people are experiencing, just as they don't know what you've experienced. But a little kindness can go such a long way. For up-to-date information about what I'm working on and all the news and updates from the tragically beautiful and true and lasting wellness worlds, I encourage you to visit my website, kathiewisneski.com. Don't worry, I'll link that in the show notes. And sign up to receive my monthly newsletter. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing, writing a review, leaving a comment, sharing with a friend, or taking a screenshot of the episode and tagging us on Instagram at tragicallybeautifulpodcast. If you or someone you know might like to be a guest on a future episode, you can apply by going to tragicallybeautiful.me and completing the form, or you can find it via the link in the show notes. Remember to always check the show notes for links and resources mentioned in every episode. I'd like to take this opportunity to mention that in an effort to do and to help more financial support of the podcast is now available. I'm committed to making a difference in the lives of abuse survivors, which is why I'll be donating a percentage to a different abuse charity every quarter. Help me continue this important work by contributing to this podcast and together let's bring hope and healing to survivors. You can find more information and a link in the show notes. Finally, if you're currently in an abusive situation where you feel in physical danger, please find a safe place and call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. The Tragically Beautiful podcast is released at least one to two times every month, so be sure to subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Until then, remember, you may have experienced tragedy, but it has made you tragically beautiful.